the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus has a surprise follower in our gospel reading. Well, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. He's up in Tyre and Sidon, after all, well north of Galilee, because he's withdrawn into Gentile country. And when you're in Gentile country, you're probably going to run into Gentiles. It's an interesting sequence leading up to our reading. Recently, Jesus has taught a crowd of mostly his fellow Jews, 5,000 men plus women and children. And at the end of the day, he takes five loaves and two fish and feeds them all with 12 baskets of leftovers to boot. That's quite a day. The people come to Jesus for help, and he satisfies their needs of both soul and body in abundance. The crowds are delighted, so much so that we know from John 6, they want to take Jesus and make him their king. They're eager to have Jesus around, to keep him around, but for all the wrong reasons. It sounds like they'd like to keep him as a miracle vending machine rather than the Lord of heaven and earth. Fast forward past last week's gospel reading of Jesus walking on water, and you run into a clash between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees do not want Jesus to be king. They want him to be gone. They don't want him handing out miracle food because that's a sign both of his divine power and his graciousness. Instead, the Pharisees complain that his disciples don't wash their hands before eating regular old food because hand-washing is a sign of obedience to their laws. So between overzealous crowds who want Jesus for all the wrong reasons and skeptical legalists who don't want Jesus for any reason, you can see why Jesus might take a trip to get away from it all. Or maybe he has another reason, which brings us to the surprise follower up in Tyre and Sidon. Matthew calls her a Canaanite woman, which is a little strange. 
There haven't been any Canaanites around for, oh, 500 years or so. It's an Old Testament label to describe the inhabitants of Canaan in Old Testament times. And they were a pretty horrific collection of wicked folks, the sort who worshipped their pagan gods through acts of rampant immorality and child sacrifice. When Luke tells of this woman in his gospel, he describes her as Syrophoenician. But Matthew sticks her with the Canaanite tag to make clear that she hasn't grown up in a pious household learning from birth about the promised Messiah who is to be born among the Jews. Nevertheless, there she is, following Jesus and making a bit of a scene by crying out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. The second part isn't much of a surprise. Mess with false gods like the Canaanites did, and you're going to create a vacuum easily filled by demons. But the first part of what she says is a surprise. The woman calls Jesus Lord, and in Matthew, only believers call him Lord. She also calls him Son of David, which is a messianic title. Finally, she calls upon him to be merciful, trusting that God is a God of mercy, which is a stark contrast to Canaanite worship that demanded child sacrifice to false gods. So it really is stunning. This Canaanite woman declares that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah, and she calls upon him for mercy and help. You and I should marvel that the news about Jesus has spread up to Tyre and Sidon, traveling only by word of mouth. We should marvel and rejoice all the more that not only has the news spread, but this unlikely convert believes it enough to follow Jesus and call upon him in her time of trouble. She's a huge contrast to the previous stories. Unlike the crowds in the wilderness who want to make Jesus a captive king who does their bidding, she humbly follows and cries out her curies asking for mercy. Unlike the Pharisees who quibble about the disciples' hand-washing habits before meals, she acknowledges Jesus as Lord and calls upon him for help. Here's the next stunning part. Even though the crowd of 5,000 plus had Jesus wrong, he fed them anyway. Even though the Pharisees opposed Jesus, he still dialogued with them. But when this unlikely believer calls upon Jesus for mercy, he doesn't answer a word. We don't know why, but he doesn't say a thing. The disciples say more. They beg him, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Now, I've always taken the disciples to be rather rude at this point, but it's also too that their words might be shorthand for, why don't you, Jesus, just get on with it like you always do and help her so that she can get on her way home? But still, Jesus treats her with silence. Until he doesn't. When he does speak, it doesn't sound promising. He says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So it sounds like 
if she were only one of those among the 5,000? Or even if she was one of those horrid Pharisees, she'd have a shot at getting his help. But being a Canaanite, Jesus' words imply that she's on the outside looking in. She's not giving up, though. She comes and she kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. In response, Jesus pushes this Israel theme again when he says, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, it's not as bad as it sounds, as if Jesus is just being insulting. Dog is, after all, slang for Gentiles. Jesus is saying that he's here to help the children of Israel and not the Gentiles. But even so, he calls her a dog. But here's a showstopper line of this text. The woman says, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And that is just wonderful. The woman says, You're right. I'm a Gentile. If you want to call me a dog, I'm a dog because you say so. But either way, whatever I am, you are the master. You're the master of the kids and the dogs, and just one crumb of your grace is enough to heal my daughter. In perhaps the worst dad joke of all time, we note that the Canaanite reveals herself to be a Canaanite. Moving on. With that confession of faith, Jesus bursts out with praise. He says, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. He answers her prayers, and her daughter is healed instantly. This woman's faith is amazing. But remember what's been happening in Matthew. Jesus feeds 5,000 children of Israel with a miracle of bread and fish. But rather than bow to him as Lord and trust in him, they essentially say, We'll take all the bread you've got on our terms by making you a king on a leash. Jesus converses with more Israelites, namely the Pharisees, who say, We don't want your bread at all because your disciples don't wash their hands. In other words, in Matthew, the kids who should be eating at the table, they don't like the food. But the Canaanite dog, who really ought to be pursuing false gods elsewhere, she's the one calling him Lord and Son of David. And she knows that a crumb of his grace is enough to destroy the power of demons. In other words, this woman is the true Israelite. She's the kid at the master's table because she believes that he's the Lord and she wants the blessings that he gives. Now, St. Paul will make this clear later on. The true Israelites are not those who share the same family tree as Abraham. The true Israelites are the ones who share Abraham's faith in Jesus. Now, we have in this woman a beautiful example of prayer. She knows her need, for her daughter needs deliverance from demons. 
Having heard the word that the kingdom of God is near in Jesus, she goes to where Jesus is. She believes that he is the Lord and can cast out demons. If she didn't believe that, she wouldn't have made the journey. When Jesus gives her the silent treatment for a while, when he doesn't answer her according to her desired schedule, she keeps persistently praying for mercy because she trusts that he is merciful. When he points out that a dog like her is really an unlikely follower, she keeps following anyway. She keeps rubbing his promises in his ears. She keeps trusting that he'll help her. I said before that we don't know why Jesus doesn't answer her right away at first, but here's something. Maybe he does that for you. You're an unlikely believer because, like everybody else, you're only a believer by the miracle of God's grace. You're redeemed at the cost of his son's own blood. You've been raised from the dead to a life sustained by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. And like all unlikely believers, you have your share of matters in life where you would dearly like God's help and deliverance. You pray, and prayer is a difficult art to cultivate and sustain. The devil doesn't want you hearing God's word, nor does he want you speaking back to God. So he throws at you all sorts of roadblocks and objections and discouragements to your praying in the first place. There's another reason why prayer is difficult to sustain. At times, God answers you not a word. At times, it appears that he doesn't hear and will keep walking the other way. That's when you're tempted to cease prayer and worry that he won't answer or that you're not worthy. And this is when you learn from the Canaanite woman. You learn persistence in prayer. After all, devil, world, and sinful flesh are all persistent. If they are constantly attacking, it makes no sense that you would pray once or twice and then stop. So no, you keep calling upon the Lord for help because you know this marvelous truth. The Lord hears your prayers, and the Lord will answer. You know this is true because it's not about who you are. It's not about your worthiness. Whether you're a Canaanite or a dog or, well, you, what matters is that Jesus is Jesus. And Jesus has borne your sins to the cross, and he's raised you up to be a child of God to call upon our Father who art in heaven. So, for instance, we gather here together and we echo the Canaanite woman with our curiae as we speak and sing, Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. We sing our Lord, have mercies too. And you know, in Divine Service 1, We've been praying for the peace of the whole world and for the unity of all now for quite a while. And it's not just us. That's the prayer of the church around the world and throughout time. And still the world remains far from peaceful and Christian unity is elusive to say the least. 
Yet we keep praying for the Lord's mercy. Why? Because we know what he promises. He tells us that there will be trouble until he comes again in glory. But when he does come again in glory, he will bring that peace and unity we so earnestly desire and pray for. And knowing this, we continue to pray and continue to wait, trusting that the Lord is at work for our good in the meantime. It is the same for you with whatever your needs and troubles and petitions might be. The Lord promises deliverance in his time and his help in the meantime, and he makes use of trials for good. Knowing that he is merciful, you keep persistently calling on him for mercy, for deliverance in his time, and his help in the meantime. In this meantime, even if the Lord appears silent to your particular petition, you hear him speak in his word. You hear him assure you of his grace, his mercy, his love for you. By his word, you know that he gives you far more than crumbs. He gives you his body and blood. He gives you forgiveness and life and salvation. He strengthens your faith because no matter who you are, he is who he is. He is Jesus your Lord and Savior. And as you rest by faith and call upon him to keep his promises, it will be as you desire. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.